Um, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. It's good to have every one of you here today, especially our visitors. We're glad to have you here. I've been speaking on the foundation for a good life. The foundation for a good life. In other words, a joyful and a happy life. We need a foundation, and God gave us that in the Scriptures. And in Matthew chapter 5, we can find all of those uh, blessings as Jesus who came to bless because the Bible says God sent him to bless us. And so his first words were uh, words of blessings. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's Matthew chapter 5 verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, he says, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And we've been going through all of these foundations that Jesus is giving to us for a good life on this earth. He said, everyone who hears, that's chapter 7, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, I would liken the person to a wise man who built his house on a rock. So the words of Jesus are for us to build with. And the, what you're building is your life. And if you build your life right, based on his word and obedience to his word, you build a good life that will be happy. The word blessed means happy. You'll be happy on this earth, but also when it's all over, you know you got it made because you're going back to your maker. And we've talked about the foundation of having that poor spirit in the spirit, not poverty in the natural, but being poor in the spirit, knowing that you need God. And we talked about blessed the day that mourn, for they shall be comforted, we talked about that last Sunday. But today, I want to talk about the foundation of meekness. The foundation of meekness. Now, when you actually realize what your actions, what my actions, put God through all of the planning to get His Son into the world, to get Him to the cross willingly on His own, laying down His life. So that I can have life. When you see that, you mourn. And you desire a change. But you know you can make the change on your own. You know you need that change to be made by God. And only God can change you. Only God can make you righteous. And I said uh, last Sunday, how many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? Just one. So the whole world is light. We're all liars. But Jesus paid the price for us so that we can live again. Today, I want to go into the foundation of meekness. Because after you have accepted Christ into your life, after you have realized the things that you did that caused him to go to the cross, now it's a joyful thing. It's the gospel because he took your sins. No more you'll be joyful for your sins. And again, I'm going to say this very boldly, that no one goes to hell because you have sinned. Nobody goes to hell because you sinned. 
If that's the case, everyone is going to hell. The, th- the truth is, you go to hell because you refuse to accept what God has provided for you. The solution for your sin. Receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior, and He gives you His righteousness. His righteousness is given to you, and with, only with His righteousness you may see Him face to face. No man can see God based on your own righteousness. You need His. He, he gave you His own life. He took your own life, your sinful life, so that you can have His life. And so we go to Him with His righteousness. Once you have accepted Christ, then you become a part of the kingdom of God. You now, you now have His DNA and people can tell something is different. They can tell, they see you, and they can tell you're still the same, but your attitude, your behavior, the way you carry yourself, your words, where you go, and what's really important to you, all of those have changed, and they can notice it. You're now acting like God. You're now having His DNA going, showing some of His attributes. And this is one of His greatest attributes, meekness. Meekness, the Bible tells us here, it says, Blessed, that's Matthew 5, verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. In other words, they shall inherit the land. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the land. And if you go back to the Old Testament, inheriting the land is inheriting the promised land. But this blessing here, in other words, happy are the meek, Because on earth, you have a good life. That's what he's saying. If you are meek. Meekness doesn't mean weakness. There's a big difference. To be meek means to to have strength under control. That's meekness. Those who are meek on the earth, have submitted their life, their will, their plans, totally, I said totally, to God, to His Word, and to the Holy Spirit. It's what He wants. That's what Jesus said. It's what He wants, not what I want. You decrease while he increases. Those who are meek have done that before God. And let me say this. The greatest individuals that have lived on this earth and that live in now and that will continue to live on this earth are those who are the meek. Jesus said to us, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He says, Learn from me, because I am meek and lowly at heart. Meekness. He is the greatest. He is the greatest that's ever lived. 
Like I said, meekness is not weakness. The one who is meek can be irritated, but they don't let that thing inflame them. You don't hear the voice loud, but they can stand up for something they believe. That's the meek. Jesus was that kind of person. They inherit the earth. The meek also gentle. Jesus says it. I am gentle. So when a person is meek, they're gentle. Gentle with people. But totally submitted to God. Those who are meek can enter into any kind of relationship. They get along with people. People are attracted to them. Just like with Jesus. The, the Jews, those that consider themselves the, the publicans, you know in the scriptures, the publicans and the sinners, they couldn't go near the Pharisees. And yet those were not the holy people. But they were comfortable to be around Jesus. He makes them feel good, even though they are sinners. His, his, his presence makes them want to change. But they are, they are comfortable in his presence. That's meekness. It's not weakness. That's how it is. And God wants us to have this. You know why they inherit the earth? Because everyone is drawn to them. They can enter into any kind of relationship. Whether it's business relationship, they are loved. They want them. In a marriage relationship, yes, they'll do well. Because of the meekness, humility. Letting the other person have their way. But they know what they believe. They are strong inside. Unmovable. But not weak. But they'll yield. That's why Jesus says they're blessed. They're blessed. This is what the scripture said about Jesus. They can be angry. But inside, what you see is different. Look at what it says of Jesus, Matthew chapter 12, verse 19 through 20. He will not quarrel nor cry out. It's a Christian man constantly in quarrel, fighting, something is wrong. Using words, <laughs> just outbursts of anger, constant, from time to time. You excuse it, you keep excusing it, but the fact is, you have not becoming more like your God. That's what is going on. You're not drawing near to your God. And so he's not able to transform your life. And because it's not transforming your life, the fruit is out there for people to see. What we need is a change of heart. is to go back to mourning and repentance so that you can go the other way. Because until you get there, God cannot do that for you. These graces we're talking about, eight of them, in Matthew chapter 5, these graces are not available on earth. It comes from heaven. But until you want this grace in your life, it won't be part of your life. But when you embrace the grace into your life, the grace of meekness, because Jesus said, learn of me, and you find rest to your soul. In other words, you become just like me, easy to get along with, at work and at home, and wherever you go, they let you have your way because they love you. They feel good just to be around you. 
They are hurting and they come near you and just a few words of strength, even with meekness, makes them feel good. They don't understand it, but because the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. When they start avoiding you, something is wrong. Even if you are a good Christian person, but people don't, they are uncomfortable around you. What's going on here? People were not uncomfortable around Jesus. Not sinners. They wanted to be with him. Zacchaeus was happy to be in his presence. And Zacchaeus wasn't crying. He was glad. He's making declaration. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Because he was right in his presence. And guess what? Jesus wasn't preaching in his house either. He just sat there. Hello? He just sat there in his strength. He will not quarrel, he won't cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. You know, sometimes we get so hard as Christians, we see somebody struggling, instead of helping them, all we want to do is criticize them. There's no help. A bruised reed. The person is bruised. They need any help. No criticism. You can tell them the truth without hurting them. And try to build them up. That's meekness. Don't avoid telling them the truth because you're not helping them. And when they're not listening, you can be hard because you love them. And you mean well. But they can see from your heart you are coming from a place of love. Because the, the attribute of God is inside you. And you, the attribute of God is always wanting to lift. And when they are not willing to believe, you are a little angry, but you are still under control. Let's go. We can do this together. That's meekness. And God wants every one of his child to have this attribute. It's another level in our walk with God. As you climb, as you're climbing this spiritual mountain until you get to the summit. But we need this. Moses was the meekest. That's what I said. The meek control everything. The greatest people living, the people that will truly influence our earth, the greatest is Jesus all over the world. But he, he told us, I am meek. In the Old Testament, and you can read that, in Numbers chapter 12, Moses had, ma- had married an Ethiopian woman and, and others, he had other spiritual people in his home, you know. Uh, Aaron and, and, and Moses' sister, they got very angry. They were speaking, and I'm sure they were not quiet about it. I'm sure they were talking about it all around the camp. Guess what you read? Moses said nothing. Moses said absolutely nothing. He didn't defend himself. He said nothing. Guess what happened? God came down. God was angry with them. God was angry. And the Bible tells us this. At this time when God came down, God was angry and said, I'm going to show you the one I've chosen. Among the three of you. This is what it says. And I'm going to read from the Amplified Version, Numbers chapter 12. Now the man Moses was very meek. Again, it tells us he was gentle. Gentleness is a part of meekness. 
gentle to all people, saved and unsaved, gentle, kind and humble. He says he was that way above all men on the face of the earth. No wonder God used him to enact the first testament, the Old Testament. And then the one who is more meek than himself, Jesus of Nazareth, the New Testament. When you're meek, you have great influence on the earth. That's what the promise is. You have great influence on the earth. It's meekness. And we can pray. Paul, Paul, it's written of Paul. It says his presence is so slight. But his words, his letters are tough. Paul's presence, one of the meekest people. Meekness doesn't mean weakness. It means strength in God. And we need to have that inside of us. I want to move on quickly to the foundation of hunger and thirst. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. That means if you don't hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're cursed. That's what it says here. Blessed are those, just individuals who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now notice, hunger and thirst are appetites that will constantly return. Right? You just don't hung, you hung, if you are hungry once, obviously you eat something and you drink. Two hours later, three hours later, four hours later, guess what's going to happen? So what is God telling us? There's no season of this. It's got to continue. Jesus made a statement to us in John chapter 6, verse 27. Jesus had performed the miracle and had fed 5,000 men with, with bread and two fish. And Jesus, after feeding them, he went into a boat and went to the other side. And they came back, those guys, they all came looking to, to, for Jesus. That seemed like something really good. They were looking for Jesus. And when they found out Jesus was not there, they heard he, he crossed the seas on the other side. And they took boats and they went around and they went to Jesus. And they said, how did you get here? When did you get here? Jesus told them, you are not looking for me. Because you saw the signs, the miracles. You're looking for me because you ate bread. And then he said this word in Matthew, uh, John chapter 6, 27. He says, don't labor for the food that perishes, but labor for the food that endures to eternal life. You know what that means? If you want to follow God, there's labor involved. This labor involved. The bread, Jesus said, the bread that endures to eternal life requires labor. Hunger and thirst for righteousness requires some form of labor. You've got to go after it to be filled. You have to go after it. 
Today, is a, we are living an amazing time. According to what Jesus has told us, we are living in amazing time. People don't care anymore. They want to do whatever they want to do. They're not committed to God as it is anymore. You got saved, but you're not living right. You don't even desire to live right. You just live in the way you want, but you go to church from time to time. That's not going to work. Jesus, the Bible tells us this. This is David speaking. In Psalm 63, and I heard that it's Psalm 63, verse 1 and 2. He says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. That's Old Testament. How many of us seek God early? Early, early will I seek you. My soul, not my flesh, my soul thirsts for you. And my flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. This was when David had been driven because of Saul's persecution. Now he was running in the wilderness. He couldn't go to the temple of God. And that's the only place where you worship God. And now he couldn't go there. And David was missing being in the house of God. He says, my soul. It was more than his flesh. He was so deep inside of him. He wanted God, that God's presence. My soul thirsts for you. And my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. In these days, Christians are away from God and don't even feel it. They are not even aware that they are so far from God. We're coming to this. It's so important. He says, so I have looked for you. Where? In the sanctuary. To see your power... And your glory. We see his power and his glory when we meet together. That's why Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You can't just say, well, I don't feel like it. Well, what if Jesus had said, I don't feel like going to the cross. We all go to hell. It's not how you feel. you got to commit to him. You have to labor. That's what it involves. Labor for righteousness. Until you labor, you will not be filled. I'll tell you how good righteousness is. We'll come into that. The purpose, why God says for you to seek righteousness. There's so much power and protection when you, when you have that. It's more than just, I'm righteous now before God and I can pray in my prayer. No, there's a lot more than that. Hopefully we have time to go to that. But you've got to be in God's house. When the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together... As the manner of submit, he's not commending you. He's condemning you. But God doesn't condemn anybody. He's wanting to convict you to let you know that's not a good attitude. He says, do meet more often as you see the day approaching. But people just don't care. I'm reminded of the ten virgins. We think these are just parables. Those things will come to pass. Five were foolish and five were wise. What's the difference? David is crying out to have oil in his lamp. My soul thirsts for thee. I'm running out of oil in my lamp. I need to go back to God's house so I can fill my lamp with oil. You don't care. Maybe you don't have a lamp. 
And this is not to be hard, but for us to know we are in the last days. And the Bible is very clear. In the last days, men would be lovers of themselves. Boastful, covenant breakers, doing their own thing. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You just want to stay home and relax today and watch television. But your brothers are praising God in, in the sanctuary. How can that benefit you? We have to change the way we think. I made up my mind. Maybe God cornered me because I've been asked with, to be a pastor. I, even when I wasn't. When I'm tired on a Wednesday night, I'm gone. I'm gone. Come back from the medical center. And my wife will tell you, sometimes the traffic held me so bad, when it, when, especially when it rained. And my church is maybe another 30 minutes away, but I get dressed. Just make sure I'm not smelly and I'm gone. <laughs> but that's, that's what it requires. That's why he died. That's why he died. Look at this scripture. Psalm 42, again, David. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you. Well, if your soul is not panting for God, maybe he's not alive very much. I've got to pant after God. You can't be alive and don't drink. You can't go without drinking for such long periods of time. If you're doing that spiritually, something is not right. You're not healthy. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. He says it here. So pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you. For the living God, not just any kind of God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear? Again, you see, appear before God. These things are important. I read in the scriptures, and the Bible is saying, Jesus saying, how can I liken this generation? To what do I liken this generation? He said, they are like children. Matthew chapter 11, verse 16. But to what shall I liken this generation? Our generation, he says, it is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their, uh, their company, companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did no lamentation. Basically, it's like children just playing games with God. It's time to get serious, folks. It's time to get serious with God and go all the way with Him. I find I discovered in Scripture how God satisfies the hunger. And, and, and the thirst. And I want to share that with you. There was, I asked somebody this season. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness. And God said. You will be filled. What, did he, what does he do? What does he mean? How do you get filled? We're going to talk about the benefits of righteousness. But how does God feel that? Hunger and thirst. I'm glad you asked. Yeah. 
Matthew, I mean John chapter 7, verse 37, beginning from verse 37. It says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood, uh, stood and cried out. In other words, he was yelling out loud over the crowd. If anyone thirsts, and we're back to thirst, right? If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So basically, this, in this scripture, he's telling you, this is what I do to you if you have a hunger for God or if you thirst for God. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And we sing a song here. We come alive in the river, right? I come alive in the river, right? This is the river. When you are thirsty, God doesn't give you just a little water. He gives you a river of water. You come alive in that river. He says, he, this, he, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said. So this is the scripture that Jesus is quoting. Jesus is quoting some scripture that was already written concerning what happens to those who thirst and come to him. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But then in verse 39 it says, But this he spoke concerning what? The Spirit. Whom those who believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Whenever you thirst for God in your heart, and you go crying out to him, he gives you a greater anointing. A greater enablement. So you can hear him and do what he wants. This is his answer. That's how God answers us. He gives you more of the Holy Spirit. I need to read another scripture because the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let the matter be established. In Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 13, he says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread, that's hunger, right? Can I hear the word hunger? You, if you ask him for bread because you are hungry. But here we are not talking about physical bread. Spiritual bread. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, notice everything the person is asking for is something to eat, right? I'm hungry. I need bread. I need egg. I need fish. That's food. I need something to eat. I'm hungry. And Jesus has said, if your son asks you for that, you don't give them something bad. You give them what they want because they are hungry. If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he, give him, will he offer him a scorpion? Then he says this. That's my way I'm going. If you then... 
Being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more shall your heavenly Father give what? That's his answer for your hunger. The more of the Holy Spirit. Oil in your lamp. Oil in your lamp. Notice, you have to ask for it. That's the label. You have to ask for it. If you ask to be filled with Him, the Holy Spirit, then He fills you. But until the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you have no power to live right. You won't even want to go to church. Because the Holy Spirit is not there. We can't do anything on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. If you truly have read about Baptist individuals, they are crying out, I need more of God. And guess what God answers them? God answers them, guess what happens? They get filled with the Holy Spirit and they get excited and the church gives them the the left foot of fellowship. They kick them out. But if you truly hunger for God, that's always His answer. A greater anointing. It's a curious scripture in uh, in, um, Acts chapter 4. The disciples had been with with, uh, with, uh, the Sanhedrin and they threatened them. And they said, please, we don't want you preaching in that name anymore. And the disciples said, whether to listen to you or to listen to God, you tell us. But for, as far as we're concerned, we will do what God told us to do. But they released them. And the chapter 4 said, when they got back to their company, they started praying. Why do the heathen rage against your son? And then they started saying to God, now we want you to give us boldness. So that we can preach the gospel by releasing signs and wonders to be done in the name of your Holy Son, Jesus Christ. And then the Bible says, after they have prayed, they have prayed, God shook the building. God was so excited, they were asking for more power and boldness to preach the gospel so that they won't be afraid and do signs and wonders, miracles. God was so excited. He shook the building. He says the place was shaken where they were praying. And guess what? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? I guess they, didn't they get filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2? Why are they getting filled again with the Holy Spirit? Because it's never enough. You always need to have a feeling. You always have to keep that hunger going. Where you were yesterday, the bread of yesterday is not good for today. We need something fresh. We need a fresh anointing. We need revival. We need something new. We need a a fresh revelation from God. Where I was 10 years ago, I shouldn't be in the same place today. I should be able to do certain things that I couldn't do before. If I'm still in the same place, I'm regressing. I've got to have more. And you can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to empower me to do what I'm called to do. When God shows up with His Holy Spirit, all the gifts come in. And you are able to do things. You stand around watching yourself act. And you're thinking, boy, I must be really smart. No, you're not. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit at work in your life. 
but we need him. I'll close with this, the hunger the, to, for righteousness. The Bible has already told us in the Old Testament, God loves the righteous. God loves the righteous. So when you receive the righteousness of God, and he tells us that in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, he became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. We might become. You have to become. He has to make you become that righteousness of God in him. But once you become righteous, God loves the righteous and surrounds them with favor as with a shield. So around you, everywhere you go, you got favor. They just like you. They don't know why. They just like you. They like to shake you and they want to be around you. You got favor. He surrounds you with favor as with a shield. If you read in Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17, he says, No weapon formed against me shall prosper. They'll die trying to hurt you. God will always vindicate you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, he says, God will condemn it and you should condemn it. Thou shalt condemn. He says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Guess why? And their righteousness, the foundation of that protection, their righteousness is of me, said the Lord. He protects the righteous. He protects the righteous. That's why Jesus says, just by pronouncing it, the, right, the ones who hunger and thirst, you've been given a special grace. If you have that in you for more of God, want more of God, that's because you've been blessed from heaven. You don't feel like it, something is really wrong. You want more of God, there's a blessing. You are, the blessing has been pronounced on you, that's why you feel that way. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst. For righteousness. And then the second part of the blessing comes. You will be filled with it. With God's righteousness. So, and the angels recognize you. The demons recognize you. They see you every time you come out. That one belongs to God. Hey, demon. Oh, you go, No, you don't go to that one. Can't you see clearly, demon? That's the brother demon telling his little brother. Don't go there. That belongs to God. You will pay a serious price. That all comes because of the grace of God. Make up your mind today. You see, all it, did, all it takes is for you to switch your heart. I'm going to seek God. And let him hear it from your mouth. Once you do that, God will begin to lead you in your path. He leads us, what? In the paths of righteousness. Why? You are called by his name. And God says, I'm not going to permit that because my name is on that life. And if something happens on that life, they, if they will come after my name, so I'm going to protect that one. That's the benefit of this. It's so beautiful. So beautiful. Takes care of every part of every aspect of your life because you have obtained his righteousness. Amen. Bow your heads with me today. We need to acquire that grace of meekness from Him. Humility. Humility is so important because Jesus was so humble. 
It's not about you. It's about him. It always has to be about him. When it's about me and you are self-promoting, you're just going to fail. And God cannot use the person that way. It may appear that God's doing something, but it doesn't take too long before you fall flat on your face. Because pride, that's the devil's attribute. And we don't want that. The thing is to humble ourselves before him and go to him so that we can inherit his nature. But also, we need to start asking God, give me that hunger. He's already told us, whatever you ask in my name, I'll give it to you. But now I've found the best thing to ask. I need that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Please help me, God. I want to be righteous before you. All eyes closed. Today, you're here, but you don't really have a relationship with Christ. But you are hoping in your heart that you can get to a place where you can have this relationship with the Lord. Now, I need to let you know, He's been looking for you. He's been looking to have a relationship with you. And all He needs to hear from you is to say, Yes, God I'm willing to have this relationship with you. I want you in my life. If you've never made that commitment to God today, today is your day. If you've never done that, today is your day. And you can make that commitment to Him. And if you've done, made that commitment before, but it seems things have gotten dry and you're thirsty, and you need God again in your life, Today you can make that commitment. At the count of three, just lift your hand and we'll pray together. And there will be a refreshing coming from heaven into your life. One, two, three. Put your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. That's beautiful. Shall we all pray together? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus of Nazareth into the world to die for my sins. Lord Jesus, I welcome you into my life right now. Lord, I want to inherit your nature. Fill me with your meekness. Fill me with your humility. Fill me with hunger and thirst for righteousness. The righteousness of God. Jesus, write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.